What up wankers, and welcome to another episode of Games Master Revisited, One Up Pod's fortnightly series that takes a look at every episode of the iconic 1990s Channel 4 TV series, Games Master. I am your host, Andy, and I am joined once again by Chip. Hello. Now we've actually had our Christmases. <laughs> yes. We can we can drop the veil now. Okay, good. It's, <laughs> I was, it was getting hard to hold it up all this time. It was, it was very stressful trying to maintain that lie. Uh, how was your Christmas? It was okay, thank you. I worked for most of it. Yeah, I, I I worked like two hours on Christmas Day and then Boxing Day and a bunch on New Year's Eve. Yeah. Uh, I I forgot... No, I don't know why I say I forgot to say because we, we, I was lying when I said it was Christmas last time. But <laughs> actually for Christmas, I got a copy of the Games Master Oral History, Ooh. which is a really nice book compiled by um, Dominic Diamond himself and a bunch of interviews from people involved in the show across all of the series very appropriate it's called oral history as well if it's written by dominic <laughs> yeah i haven't got very far into it yet like I've, I've had a quick skim through it and it looks it's really interesting and I've, i get to actually use some of the information i've gleaned from it already <laughs> nice. in today's episode so it's, it's already paying for itself as a christmas present i did notice a detail in the book that has come up quite often in the podcast so far. Dominic's use of knob jokes. Wait, they actually address it? He talks about how hesitant he was to do knob jokes in the setting because it's based in an old church and Dominic comes from a very Catholic background. Oh, wow. Uh, So he felt very uneasy about making all those dirty jokes in what is the house of God, basically. (laughs) Even if it's not functioning as a church at the time, there's still a lot of significance attached to those buildings to people who've that come from religious families but he did say like once the production team had got hold of it and transformed it with the the weird lighting and the dry ice didn't really look like a church anymore so he felt a lot more comfortable being dominic diamond (laughs) (laughs) yeah he always came across as fairly comfortable when delivering these so uh yeah that explains a lot the production team obviously did a great job because they they prevented him from having a crisis of faith (laughs) i guess although he did have one of those later in his life apparently oh because <laughs> he, he did, I noticed he he made a documentary in 2006 about his crisis of faith, and it was going to possibly end with him being crucified in a uh, religious ceremony in the Philippines. Uh, <laughs> but at the last minute, he declined the option, like to be crucified as declined. as you would. <laughs> <laughs> like when someone offers you a cup of tea, and you're like, "Nah, I'm alright actually." Yeah, there's there's like not, apparently not many Westerners get to take part in this thing, so it was a bit of a big deal, and they offered him a spot. And he, he decided, I don't want to get nails driven through my hands. So I'm just going to... I'll be all right. Oh, it's like that question, cyberpunk. Yeah, it is. That's why I, I thought it was so strange. That, like, I don't mean, obviously, not strange, because it's somebody's religious ceremony sort of thing. But it was interesting, the parallels between that and that. I might have to cut that bit, because I feel like I'm going to offend some people from the Philippines or something. <laughs> I think it's all right to be a bit weirded out about being crucified yeah to be fair yes yeah it's i I wouldn't do it myself personally especially if it's an actual crucifixion with nails going through your hands like not a kind of mock one you know at first i thought it was just gonna be tied to the cross and thought well you know that sounds kind of fun i guess (laughs) if you're into that sort of thing but no getting getting nails driven into your hands i feel like i mean people famously died from that (laughs) Like possibly the most famous death of all happened because of that. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. John personally. Lennon. Yeah, John Lennon. So it, it was interesting looking at Dominic's um, problems, at least going into the show, doing these jokes, because when Dominic introduces this episode, he, he shows his comfort quite 
profoundly. <laughs> it's like within a minute, Dominic says, uh, this is the one time of the week where you can get soft and moist about the things that really matter. It was a very confusing start because he said something about a firm EQ as well, and I didn't know what that yes. was. I, I tried to research that and I couldn't find anything. I, I don't know if it was a political joke at the time or like something, um, but I yeah. had no idea what he was going on about. And then he was on about grabbing towels and having hot Ribena. I looked all over for the Therm EQ thing. I didn't understand any of it. I didn't know if it's a European, some kind of European body that was causing problems in 1992. <laughs> I wasn't that invested because I, I was mostly focusing on the soft and moist part because this is Games Master Revisited. <laughs> this is our bread and butter. <laughs> So yeah, the, the things that were the most important and that would get you soft and moist were freshly laundered towels, hot Ribena, and video games. Yep. I can't necessarily dispute the freshly laundered towels thing because a, a nice soft towel is fucking spot on. It's true. But I'm not a big Ribena guy, especially hot Ribena. I, I'm more of a Vimto guy. Ah, uh, you're, you're one of the cool ones. See, I was a Ribena yeah. kid. It's the mystery aspect of Vimto, I think, that appeals to me. <laughs> I don't know. They've got pictures of fruit on there, but I couldn't tell you what part of that drink comes from what fruit. It's purple. That's the fruit. That's the. It's the purple fruit. <laughs> and like I um, when I was a kid, my nan used to make me hot lemonade if I was ill because apparently it cured everything. But I've never had hot ribena before, and I isn't that not just a lem sip? I I don't know. It is a bit. Like I I've had it once. We were. It was a like when I was. It was probably around the time Games Master was on, and I went to like a school retreat in like the hills of the lake district like in the dead of winter oh god and we went out a hiking and fell in a, like a ravine and stuff all sorts of nonsense and at the end of the day we all had a hot ribena so <laughs> i so hate wholesome. hot ribena because i associate it with that horrible fucking school trip <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's totally fair yeah that's fair you know some memories attached to certain tastes and smells and traumas and can't go back to them yeah traumas definitely traumas <laughs> The other thing I noticed about the opening is the crowd is really rowdy in this episode. Like they were like Dominic had to take a moment just to kind of take it all in while they were going, yeah, whoop, whoop, whoop. And it seems yeah. like the production values in the church have grown as well. I don't know if I've just missed this before, but there's a wall that's just got arcade machines all the way down the side. And there just seem to be more. So I don't know if they've got an upgrade in production or if I've just missed this or what's going on. I've never noticed that, but like, I feel like never noticed it before anyway. It, maybe it's just they're getting a bit more comfortable with the space so they're filming more of the space and like mm. making use of all the good work the production team put into it yeah that makes sense it was an interesting start to <laughs> say the least yeah sometimes dominic will take his time getting there and sometimes he just goes straight for it and he went straight for it <laughs> so to speak yes oh. I, I won't i won't explain to everybody what soft and moist is referring to i feel like we're all adults we should know this so <laughs> we will move on and he does that. He, then he moves on from that really unseemly thing and then says, we've got a licorice all sorts of things to offer you. Or I can't remember the exact phrasing, but I just saw licorice all sorts and thought, that's incredibly wholesome compared to what you've just said. Yeah. There's a real whiplash to how he presents sometimes. <laughs> I don't know if it follows in from the Ribena thing, like maybe he just been to a talk shop or something, but yeah, it was odd. Yeah, that, that, that could be true. Maybe that's how they got the crowd really rowdy. They just got more high on sugar before. Yeah, just lots of blackcurrant drinks all around and everyone's <laughs> going mental. My kind of party. <laughs> Especially when you jump right into the first challenge, like getting getting some video games on the go as well. Oh, yeah. The hot Ribena is only part of the equation. <laughs> I didn't see any towels in the church, but... It could be there. For the first challenge, uh, Dominic throws to the man who put the M in microchip, the games master. That was a 
it's not his best intro for Games Master, I don't feel. No, I, I, again, it didn't really make sense to me because that's that's just the word. <laughs> you can't have microchip. Yeah. That doesn't work. Yeah. So the first challenge is for James Pond 2, Robocod. Yeah, what the fuck was this? <laughs> I know. Fuck. Actually, I, rem- I distinctly remember Robocod as a kid. Like, I'd never played it, but I always saw advertisements for it in magazines oh, okay. I, was like, Holy shit. I used to i loved robocop as a kid like i was probably around the age where i first watched robocop maybe like a little maybe i'd be a little older by this point yeah i watched robocop way too young to yes same absolutely <laughs> <laughs> like every 90s kid <laughs> obviously robocop had had video games at this by this point but robocop really caught my attention because like whoa hold on <laughs> robocop as a fish now you're talking <laughs> <laughs> so i i I went into this and I was like, I've never heard of this game. And I thought we'd like stumbled upon some sort of parody episode of Games Master after that intro. <laughs> and then we went into fucking Robocod. Yeah, it's uh, it was a game. It was a sequel to a game called James Pond, which was obviously another pun based on <laughs> a popular film people's dads would have watched on bank holidays. It's, it's one of many of the Amiga's attempts at trying to have its own version of Mario or Sonic. Yeah, they, yeah. They just really, they, they flailed around wildly trying to find it their guy and they never quite found it i don't think because it certainly wasn't robocop <laughs> so the first challenge we've been we've spent so much time just like just marveling at the existence of robocop we haven't even got to the challenge that yeah. games master has thrown out nope all it's the way he described compl- it <laughs> it's basically just to complete the first level collecting fifty thousand points along the way in under a minute so it's a lot of the, the greatest hits for a great games master challenge basically but fifty thousand felt like weirdly high i thought yeah it's like based on other challenges for only a minute as well but then i was thinking maybe maybe robocard is very generous with its points but it it didn't look like it was being that generous it felt like you'd have to know a lot of stuff to get that many points you'd have to have played the game an insane amount it just seemed a lot to ask of somebody who possibly wasn't going to be that familiar with the game yeah, especially the way they do it, because they don't actually have someone on to do the challenge. They pick them randomly from the audience, don't they? They take three kids uh, who yeah. you know, want to participate. So, yeah, I thought this was going to be really difficult as well, because if they were going to do something like this, where it's like, OK, we're going to pick people from the audience and they can be on Games Master and have a go at the challenge, try and win a golden joystick. You think it might be a game that maybe is a bit more popular or well-known that a lot of kids might have played, like Sonic, like Mario, where they'd have a chance at this. But yeah, this just seemed like it was doomed to fail from the start. It feels like when you're going to throw out the audience, you should at the very least create a challenge that the kid might win. <laughs> yeah. It feels it feel nice to have one of the members of the audience win a golden joystick yeah. instead of just basically doing the fucking Dark Souls or platforming <laughs> challenges. It's just a bit much. It was interesting, though, because I, I know uh, Games Master broke protocol and he offered some gameplay tips outside of the consultation room. I didn't know how to feel about this, but <laughs> again, because these kids haven't played this game before, it was probably a good idea to give them something to like latch onto. Yeah, because it's not just a straight platform, is it? There's... um certain elements because the the main character stretches up like inspector gadget and can grab ledges and stuff so yeah yeah he's got like what did they call it it's like a hydro hydraulic i can't remember what the fuck it was called but yeah his body basically like moves upwards and you can grab onto ledges and shimmy across yeah it's it's not something like if you if you'd only ever played like mario or sonic you'd just think okay i'm just gonna have to jump but there's certain areas of robocard that you can't get to just by jumping (laughs) Sorry, I'm going to laugh every time you say Robocod. Yeah, it's like, I know the official name is uh, James Pond 2 Robocod, but like, fuck it, just call it Robocod, that's, <laughs> that's it. 
Did you also catch Games Master saying it would take one minute to satisfy him when he set up this challenge? Oh, Jesus Christ, no. <laughs> it doesn't take long, does it? I guess it helps that he hasn't got any genitals, but still, it was yeah. a weird way of phrasing it. <laughs> but we assume he doesn't have genitals. He might have some, like, around the back of his head. Oh, my God. Why have you put that nightmare image in my head? <laughs> I mean, you posed the question and I just kind of went with it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, <laughs> That is probably giving myself a nightmare after that as well, to be fair, don't worry. <laughs> oh, every time we watch an episode now, I'm going to be like, please don't turn around, Games Master, please. Where's his genitals? <laughs> I mean, that might explain the butt plug. Oh, no, it's a head butt plug. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, as I said, Robocod is a sequel to James Pond. Um, it was the second game in the series, and sadly, only a third instalment was made after this. For this one, they didn't even bother to come up with another fish-based pun. It was just called James Pond Free, oh. which I'd suggest is possibly the reason why the series died there. <laughs> People had expectations for James Pond at this point. Yeah, absolutely. You can't just follow Robocard with nothing. <laughs> so I did. I looked up um, this game on Moby Games. I remember seeing it everywhere as a kid, but I didn't remember what the reception was for the game at the time. Because sometimes Games Master, they, they pick kind of naff games, whereas... I noticed Robocod on the Amiga got a review average of 86.4%. Fucking hell. That's pretty good. Yeah, blimey. Uh, for an Amiga platformer, an Amiga wasn't known for being very good with platformers. It wasn't the Nintendo or a Mega Drive. I was really impressed by that score. I did uh, notice Games X magazine gave it a perfect score. <laughs> so, <laughs> and they said uh, Robocop is surely destined... Robocop? Fucking hell. Robocod is surely destined to be one of the all-time most memorable games. <laughs> and they were right. Because obviously Chip knows this game very well. <laughs> I can't get over the fucking name of it still. <laughs> it's just iconic. Robocod. I, I keep calling it Robocop. That's how much it's ingrained <laughs> in my memory. Robo- if I go back and watch Robocop now, it's just going to be such a disappointment. I'm like, he's not a fish. I don't want to know. It's not a stretchy fish. What the fuck is this shit? <laughs> there was another detail about Robocop that was... Curious. Excellent, uh, good. It, it's noted for its product placement. It features the penguins from the the biscuit wrappers for McVitie's Penguins. What? So I think some of the early releases of it featured a lot of penguins marketing. Okay. But there's some, there's some really shameless product placement <laughs> games from this era. Like, I remember 7up had one, Cool Spot, I think it was. Some really, just, just lots of bullshit like, product placement. And they never resulted in particularly good games. That's probably why McVitie's just thought... You know, we'll just latch on to Robocod because it's already a proven thing. <laughs> I guess uh, penguins go in the sea as well. Yeah, he's going to encounter some penguins, so they might as well cash in on this and <laughs> get a bit of extra money off McVitie's. Sure, why not? So I actually live down the road from a McVitie's factory, so I'm feeling a bit of local pride right now for that, <laughs> that bit of trivia. Amazing, amazing. It was. I saw that and thought, wow, okay, I'm going to have to write about McVitie's for a bit and hopefully they'll give us some free stuff if they find out we're giving them free advertising. Yeah, I'd be down for that, to be honest. We could do a whole spin-off uh, season where we just review uh, McVitie's biscuits. Yes, I'm up for that. If McVitie's are willing to play ball, I'm willing. <laughs> we'll be your Robocod, don't worry. We will be your Robocod, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like you said um, at the start... The, the, the audience seemed really restless. They were like really eager to go. Mm. So like it probably it probably was a good idea for Dominic to throw to the crowd because they probably would have stormed the stage. <laughs> <laughs> they were that eager to go. So he picked out uh, three kids from the crowd. One of them was a lad who looked like he played professional snooker. 
Because of his waistcoat. Like a fucking waistcoat, yeah. (laughs) Uh, There was a a small lass and a slightly less small lass. And they were called Mark, Julie and Claire, respectively. Dominic chose Claire to go in first. And this was interesting. Like, I don't know if he's done this before with the, the audience participation games, but he asks the other contestants to go over towards his organ. No. Nope. Uh, go over towards the church organ that is in the church and tell them to face to face the other way so they can't see the screen. <laughs> like they've been naughty or something. Yeah, it was something like, almost like Blair Witch thing or something. It was weird. <laughs> but yeah, it, it made sense though because like, you don't want to see how someone else is doing. And like, I know that obstacle. I'm going to try and get past that. It yeah, it's true. Be a little unfair. But they don't have like a, a room or a side booth for them to go in. It's just literally like look at the look at the church organ. Just don't look at this way. Yeah, it's it's just a it's just a big church. There's not a lot they can do with it. Really. <laughs> it must have like a confessional booth or something they could have put them in, right? It depends on which type of church it was. Yeah, true. I, I'm assuming it must have been a Catholic one if Dominic was having problems with it. <laughs> Claire gets in the the hot seat, as he, Dominic likes to call it, and uh, Mark and Julie face his organ. So Dominic heads to the commentary pulpit uh, where he meets Dave Perry yet Wait, again. Is this Dave Perry or Chester Bennington? I was confused. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got some looks. This Dave Perry. He hasn't yes. quite. He hasn't discovered his bandana look yet, which he would <laughs> hold on to for like all time. But yeah, at the moment he's just usually like rocking like leather jackets and stuff like that. So Dave says um, the, the the contenders need to get used to the controls and use the telescopic. Um, like it's called telescopic grapple. Yeah, the hydraulic thing. Yeah, he repeats what Games Master basically said, just in case the kids weren't paying attention because of all the Ribena. <laughs> and he notes to uh, pull back on the joystick so you can, like, retreat into your armour to protect yourself from enemies, which was, you know, that was nice to know because I don't think anybody used that in the challenge. No, no, I, I completely missed that. Yeah. <laughs> Claire gets started and she struggles to use the telescopic body stretch thing. Even though they know about it, it seems it's a difficult one to pull off. Yeah. Especially with Amiga controls, because they usually only have like maybe one or two buttons on those joysticks. It's not d- not the most intuitive controls. Yeah, I did wonder if she had to be in like uh, a certain position to activate it, like you had to be next to a ledge or something, because yeah, it wasn't working well. Yeah, she she had a hard time. She hit a bunch of spikes, like yeah, took some hits. Her. She really struggled. She she man- once she cleared that, she hit some more spikes, <laughs> and then she she just died like half a minute in. And you realise how little she did in half a minute, and that it kind of emphasises how fucking difficult this challenge was. Yeah. How maybe they should have had somebody on who's played this game before. <laughs> so like Mark was up next. He gets some of the stuff that Claire missed, but he also misses some of the stuff that Claire got. Mm. But it was that he had the same exact issue with the telescopic body stretch on the first set of spikes. So it definitely seems like a control issue rather than just kids not knowing what to do. They were trying, but it was just wasn't quite it wasn't happening for them. They just seemed to be jumping off into the spikes. Yeah, absolutely. That was tough. He did clear the second set set of spikes that Claire died on, but then immediately runs into a snake and dies. <laughs> Yet again with half a minute left, basically. At this point I was like, Yeah, the, this, this isn't happening. We're not seeing a Jordan joystick for this challenge. No, no not at all. Because <laughs> then poor, poor Julie came. Was it Julie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Julie. Julie was on last. Yeah, poor Julie kept on last. And because she didn't get to see how everyone else did, she it was all just going in blind. But she nailed the telescopic body thing first try. She so did. Obviously, she heard Dave Perry's advice. I think Dave Perry on the second, but for Mark's challenge, he said pull the fire button or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was giving some sort of tips throughout, wasn't he? Like he was trying to help. He, he really tried to give them because obviously he knows it's a tricky game to control. Yeah. So Julie managed that. She was doing really well. Cleared the second set of spikes, cleared the snake. She found the power blocks with a blatant rip-off of Mario. <laughs> uh, but she kept missing them because joysticks aren't the oh. most... They aren't not known for their precision, really. Oh, so she kept like slightly missing them by a couple of pixels. And it was just 
wasting a lot of time getting these power up. I was I felt bad for her because it, yeah. it, it looked like a, an absolute asshole to control. <laughs> it was frustrating, but not in the way that you're blaming the player. It's just like, oh, the stupid controls all, and the stupid game. Like, oh, you're so close to them. You could tell. You could tell it was the joystick, yeah. not her, just not knowing what she was doing. It was absolute malarkey, to be honest. She was she was getting quite a lot of points, but you could tell it wasn't going to be close to enough. No. Like, I don't know how anyone was going to be able to do this without some intimate knowledge of this game. <laughs> I mean, I think what they should have done, because she got, what, like, 30 or 1,000 points? So she got the most, yeah. didn't she, overall in the she whole challenge? from that. Yeah, yeah, that's what they should have done. They should have said whoever gets the most points in a minute, or, you know, until you die... Uh, wins yeah. the golden joystick so at least someone would have got it because it was impossible to do it otherwise if it was just one person doing the challenge I'd understand the 50,000 points thing because yeah. like, they've have, have practiced with the game for starters <laughs> but yeah it was, I felt bad because she, she did really well she had like she had like one second left even though she wasn't going to get it on points she was going to potentially beat the clock at the very least yes. but there's the final second hit she got attacked by a snake and died. <laughs> it was I was felt so bad for her. I know it was such a tough challenge for all of them. Someone should have got a golden joystick out of that. We should start really, a protest. I really do think someone should have got a golden joystick. Yeah. I know they try to make a lot of the challenges harder because at the start of the series, people kept winning these joysticks and they yeah. wanted to make it feel like a bigger deal. But I feel like when there's three kids competing, somebody should be walking away with a joystick. Yeah, absolutely. I, I felt bad for her, like, and she she did she said it was a bit too hard for her, even though she absolutely bossed it for most of it. I, there's no shame in her defeat, I don't feel. No, not at all. And I do feel like all of those kids, if they'd had a second run, they would have done a lot better as well. Yeah, the telescopic thing tripped up a lot of kids. Yeah. And it was just, just knowing when to jump and when to use that, it, that was another thing that seemed to be tripping people up. It's just it's a really hard game, especially if some of these kids haven't played an Amiga before. <laughs> it's not it's not like playing on your Nintendo or like your Sega. But I guess the desire to make the challenges harder and make the joystick more desirable, it's working because I was fucking desperate to see that joystick <laughs> show up. I was like, oh, why? Why? This isn't fair. This is bullshit. I want to see the joystick. And they definitely wrapped up the uh, difficulty in these challenges for this episode. Yeah. I did give Dominic credit, though, for when he went to the kids. He was really lovely to all of them. Yeah, he was. He didn't make any inappropriate jokes. He just he hoped they'd enjoyed themselves at the very least. So, yeah. like, he was really kind, like especially to Julie. He said she was doing really well. You know, it, it, it's that's, that makes a difference, like not try to take away from the moment and their possible embarrassment. It, yeah. He did a really good job with them. Absolutely. It was really nice, especially with Julie, because she was so little as well. Like, I'm really glad yeah. he was nice to her. Yeah, she was adorable. It was a, it was a real shame. I felt so bad. <laughs> for her. but in in this moment he did show that he is a very good host he knows what he's doing yeah. like he's getting comfortable in the role now <laughs> i hope we don't maybe next week he's <laughs> going to say something terrible to a child i don't know but it felt in this moment he'd worked out there's a time and a place for wanking jokes <laughs> and it's not when these kids are just actually crushed oh we can only hope oh we'll find out i'll find out because <laughs> i'm on this for the long haul you get a break next time Whew. So, with that out of the way, this takes us to the reviews. That's hopefully we're going to have another good set of reviews this week. I thought that was a good set of reviews last week. The week before was terrible. <laughs> it's it's anybody's game at this point. The theme of this week was adventure games. Yay, another um, real genre. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I wrote in my notes. So, yeah, your proper well. genre. <laughs> It's like, finally, yes, please, no more abstract shit, please. <laughs> First up was The Immortal on the NES. The Immortal was originally released on the Apple IIGS, and it received ports to the Amiga, Atari ST, DOS, and Nintendo Entertainment System and Mega Drive a year later. So it's, it's about a year old at this point. Was it a year? No, it was released in 1990, I think. Oh, wow. So it's two years old, and they're reviewing it, so... <laughs> This is the first time I really noticed these games aren't always necessarily new. It's just whatever games they can 
get hold of. Yeah, I guess it's difficult week. with a weekly show, isn't it, to always have new, new important games. Yeah, because like, either they're going to be reviewing a lot of shite, or they're going to have to be really selective and just pick out stuff from the back catalogue. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised Games Master didn't pop up and say, I can't believe you haven't moved on from this. <laughs> yeah, what an absolute fucking hypocrite. I mean, <laughs> it's obviously not Games Master who's doing the reviews, but I feel like it's very hypocritical of him to put his name to something that's reviewing old games. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> should have All these reviewers should have reviewed it by now. <laughs> so I did notice it's, um, it's developed by Sandcastle and published by Electronic Arts. This was back when EA was a mark of quality and not absolute <laughs> dread. So God, I don't remember those days. I, I remember very distinctly. I used to love getting hold of an electronic art electronic arts game. This is when they used to call themselves the full name rather than just EA. They stopped caring and we all stopped caring <laughs> as well. So the first critic up is Amaya Lopez of Zero Mag. And I think this is our first woman reviewer. Yeah, I've got that note as just, well. I was like, oh my God, finally. Poor Becky's not here to see it. <laughs> <laughs> she, just the lads talking about a woman reviewer. Like it's, Sorry, Becky. Maybe you'll get lucky next week. This this was actually cool to see, especially considering what a boys' club the media has continued to be, gaming yes. media especially. So a woman in a prominent role in the early 90s is pretty impressive and cool, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Amaya says, it's a very good game. The, the original arcade incarnation was a good game. It remains a good game now. Apparently it was ported very well to the NES, despite being initially a home computer system game even home computer system game <laughs> next is Stephen Carsey uh, he wasn't a journalist he was what I assumed to be some sort of evil hypnotist <laughs> <laughs> he just had he had the beard and like the, the, the goatee and the hair slicked back it's just, oh my god that's so accurate <laughs> right like, that's, I was trying to work out what he looked like as evil hypnotist that's it brilliant so he, he said he loves a good role-playing game and this is one of the best of its types on the nintendo fair deuce uh, david wilson of zero magazine he was our last reviewer for this week he said they did a good job of porting it to the nes given the limitations of the 8-bit hardware it can't do like lots of colors on screen at once because the home computer version had a lot of lovely textures to them whereas this had like a monocolor thing the characters had their own looks but the the screens were all like a single color, but like it, I, I liked that he brought up the fact that it was a good game, and he was um, he was taking the context of the, the hardware into account. Because I remember the reviewers of that Outrun game on the Master System, they gave it a bad score just because it was a Master System game. Yeah, Not, you're right. Yeah. Had nothing to do with the quality of the game, just that it was an 8-bit hardware. It was bullshit. <laughs> So I really liked that Dave Wilson took into account that it wasn't going to be as good as a home computer version, but it was a good game in its own right. And The Immortal got 86... 86? 80%! Yeah. I'm really fucking up for the... 80%, <laughs> that's a really good score. Yeah, really good. Not, 80, much not 86% good, but it's <laughs> good. At least it'll make you happier that it's 80 and not 86. Yes, it is a nice round number. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy right now, at the very least. So the thing is, it sounds like a good game. But I have absolutely no idea what it's about because we didn't really cover that. I know they've only got like 10 seconds to get their little reviews in. So it's kind of difficult to pick a point of what's to focus on. But I was like, okay, it's, it's an adventure role-playing game, but I, I don't know what it's about. Yeah, it's it's something like, it's basically like a puzzle game, kind of. You, okay. you explore different rooms and you've got to try and work out how to open a door. And sometimes there's like one-on-one -on -one fights. It seems like a lot of there's a lot of trial and error, so it seems like kind of like a precursor to Dark Souls. I'm bringing up Dark Souls a lot this episode. <laughs> but it seems like one of those kind of things where like you have to keep trying to get any progress. Oh, I see. One of those games I don't want to play. <laughs> yeah. yeah <it's> <laughs> 
On the other hand, the second game up was a game that I very much like to play. Yeah, it's... it's uh, Monkey Island 2 LeChuck's Revenge. Although Dominic called it The Secret of Monkey Island 2. But I'm just going to let it slide because I'm just happy to see Monkey Island 2 on the show. <laughs> yeah, this was really nice to see. It's it's one of my all-time favourite games. I talked about it in episode Tate. Episode Tate? <laughs> episode Andrew Tate. <laughs> and episode Andrew Tate. <laughs> I talked about it in our Games That Made Us episode in our mainline series. I talked about it a bit in our most recent Game of the Year 2022 episode. Mm. I, I love the classic Monkey Island games. So basically these critics, they better fucking watch their step when they're reviewing <laughs> this game. So Stephen says it can't be beaten in terms of playability. Uh, lots of amusing text and a very strong title. Can't dispute any of that. Nope. Uh, David Wilson said it's funny, challenging and addictive and brilliant he said it was a nice level of challenge i'm like mate it's fucking hard (laughs) it's not yeah he's showing off i think yeah yeah that felt i was not happy with that line so next amaya says it's so brilliant she wants to run away and get married to it yeah i I was a bit worried about this line because she doesn't feel very natural when she's saying it and i was like have they given you this line because you're a woman is that why they've done it like it just didn't feel she didn't seem comfortable saying it. In general, she didn't seem very comfortable on camera. Okay. And that's fair enough. She's a writer. Yeah. Like she's not She's not there to talk. So I feel like it was more just... She had a good line, but she didn't have the conviction to kind of sell it. I hope that's the case, but yeah. I usually get annoyed when reviewers are glib like, and offering no insight and stuff, but there's only so many times you can say a game's brilliant without it getting boring. So I'm, And also, I agree with her. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I said, yes, I will allow this, Amaya. Monkey Island 2, The Chuck's Revenge, got 94%. Yeah. And now I'm going to say that's bullshit, because, like, why? Why 94? Why not 95 <laughs> at the very least? I'll, I'll, I'd take 95. Is that the highest score, though, we've ever had? It might be the highest score. I'm going to look back. When, we've done, when we're done with Series 1, I'm going to look back at all the different reviews and stuff and Ooh, kind of do a little... Nice recap sort of thing i think that's the club that if it's not the highest it's the very least the second highest mm. i can't think of another game that got higher to be honest though and finally was heroes of the lance i i, I laughed every time i read that <laughs> line. heroes of the lance i'd never heard of this one but it does feel like a name that was designed to make dominic diamond chuckle to himself <laughs> and yet he did nothing with it no it, it was such a vanilla intro and i thought what Dominic, come on. It's right there. <laughs> it's there for the taking, so to speak. So but apparently Heroes of the Lance, it was an advanced Dungeons and Dragons tie-in. Oh, really? Yeah. It, oh. Was, um, it was released on home computers in 1988, and it got ported to consoles in 1991. This version being reviewed is for the Master System. Yeah, Master System represent. Again, another Master System. It's still, a, it's still around, damn it, <laughs> at this point in history. <laughs> Not right now, obviously. Maybe, maybe there's some like third world country that's still making Master System games. Hey, it's alive know. in my heart. Steven said it was a good role-playing title. Good uh, and very sound graphically, but lacking in the sound, which was really fucking confusing to write. <laughs> so he said it was very sound graphically, but lacking in the sound. Yes. I don't know if he was trying to be clever or if he just really fucked up his words. <laughs> he had the word sound in his head because he wanted to mention the sound and then it just kept... He brought up very sound. Yeah, I think it's that. I think that's more likely because it doesn't work otherwise. It was bewildering. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> uh, but again, I, I'm not going to be too harsh on him because he is not a professional critic. He is an evil hypnotist. He's not there to <laughs> come up with analysis. Wait, when did he become evil? He was evil from the beginning. Oh, was he? Is he always evil? I missed that. I thought it was yeah. just a hypnotist. Uh, yeah, I said he was evil from the beginning. Right, evil okay. Yeah. He's, He's always been evil. evil. You, you, just got, you just got too much trust in people, I feel. <laughs> Especially hypnotists when they wave something in front of my face. He does not look like a good hypnotist. He looks like someone who's hypnotised someone for an assassination or something. 
got to rob some diamonds for him. I don't know. Is that something you're going to have to cut out? No, I feel like I'm okay because it's so farcical. Unless he has done this. But if he has done this, then I'm okay and I'm just speaking facts. Well, unless he sends an assassin after you after this to keep the truth quiet. Anyway, Amaya prefers something a bit more straightforward. A bit too, uh, she was a bit too specialist for her liking, she said. Uh, David agrees. He said it's, uh, it was slow and it lacks mass market appeal. That makes sense. It's a Dungeons and Dragons game. It's yeah. probably a bit involved with the systems and stuff even on the master system probably play the immortal before i played this yeah like everything from like the way it looks the name of the game as well it just it didn't stand out yeah it looks naff (laughs) (laughs) which Uh, is 99 percent of games on the master system yeah we love them but yeah a lot of them just aren't very good unless sega made them specifically yeah so heroes of the lance or an advanced dungeons and dragons computer product heroes of the lance (laughs) what a sexy title I know, I love it. <laughs> Perfect title. Like, no notes. I don't know why they didn't use that in the show. <laughs> that long title got 65%. Yeah, yeah, which, again, could be any Master System game, really. Next up was a game preview. Woo! Despite being told last time that we were going to be getting console previews for the next few weeks, they decided to just skip all that and just <laughs> plug Alien Free on the Mega Drive instead. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> It's it's kind of just funny to see how hyped people were for Alien Three, given how the movie release went. Eventually, <laughs> they really had they banked on this being a bigger deal than it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I quite like Alien Three. I prefer it to Aliens. I love Alien Three. I, I I defended Alien Three from the very second I saw it. Like I was like very much out on a limb. Yeah, it, <laughs> it feels kid. more like Alien, which is what I like. Yeah, it was sloppy and flawed, but I still loved it, and it was very it was just. It was very atmospheric and cool. I don't care if David Fincher doesn't like it. I don't like Benjamin Button, so we're going to disagree, I guess. (laughs) Suck it, David Fincher. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, David Fincher. (laughs) Official one-up pod stance. Anyway, the game. (laughs) This was the era where, like, uh, movie movies got like video game tie-ins. Just a lot of them. Like, usually, completely different games for different systems. You'd have the games with like five tie-ins coming out it's it was insane alien free got quite a lot of tie-ins there was varying quality because there was several different generations to account for now and home computers and all sorts of stuff so i was glad they chose the mega drive one because that was one of the better ones i think but unfortunately for alien free they they brought in um one of the developers to talk about it joe bonner of probe software bless him he he was not fit for television i'll just say that much (laughs) so oh no I don't want to be harsh. It's just he didn't look comfortable. You can't say that after you've just said that. <laughs> I didn't mean a face. I didn't say he had a face for radio. I just said he just didn't seem comfortable on television. No, he got the badly lit treatment again as well. Yeah, it was that horrible fucking... Yeah, it just looks horrible. Like the head's just kind of floating in the, the yeah. abyss. <laughs> it's like they've got like some sort of first-year college media student to go and shoot this for them. Yeah, they've set the camera up too high. They're expecting all their guests to be much taller. So they just tilt it <laughs> downwards on them. So anyway, Joe intro, his intro is honestly hilarious, though, I will say. He said, uh, Alien Free is a game based on what must be this year's most eagerly awaited film, Alien Free. <laughs> he didn't need to mention Alien Free, I don't feel. <laughs> so Alien Free is a game based on what must be this year's most eagerly awaited film, The Borrowers. <laughs> I don't know if The Borrowers came out in 1992, but fuck it. Uh, yeah, maybe it was some sort of marketing thing where you had to say Alien 3 like 10 times Certain in that section. Times, yeah. <laughs> it just seems to come up a lot when people are doing PR stuff and they're very clearly not designed for PR. <laughs> they just keep bringing out game dev nerds or like publishing knobs who just aren't 
they they don't know how to sell something with their words. No. So because the PR industry hadn't really taken off at this point when Games Master started, so they just <laughs> with the PR industry now they they hire people that have you know charisma and they, they know they have a way of words and nice faces yes like every pr person i've ever dealt with has been like just unthinkably charming so not so much in 1992 it's just they just had to make do what they had whoever was making the game had to talk about it basically i just i don't want to ra- keep ragging on him because i, I, I am to. going to yeah <laughs> it just he had the cadence and mannerisms of a man that, that drew the, sh- the short straw in the office it's like it feels like he just didn't want to be there. He didn't, and he didn't volunteer either. Some, he kind of got forced into doing it because no one else wanted to do the job. Oh, bless him. Yeah, I just I felt bad for him. I would not want to do this either, to be honest. And he was just explaining like the general gameplay loop, and it was just very awkward, and it just didn't feel right. It wasn't selling the game very well. I'll say that. And no. the, the the editing did him no favors. It didn't cut out any of his stumbles or like pauses for hesitation stuff like that yes, it just I left him that. floundering like crazy it was really uncomfortable there was a good five seconds where he went from an um to a silence to an uh and like you know we do that all the time on the podcast but like you know i always cut those out because it just flows yeah. better when you know everyone does it when they're trying to think they they pause and their their brain tries to catch up and we do it all the time and you just, you just cut those out and you put the the two things together and it sounds much better and i can't believe yeah. I mean, again it just goes back to the low production values that they had for this segment yeah they just they really just can't be asked <laughs> so i've got a whole rant about alien free games because i've covered them on free lists now for the website but i'm not going to get into it because i'm fed up with talking about alien free at this point <laughs> i don't want to play this game again can i ask where it did rank in your list in multiple places. The Game Boy version was oh. always the worst of the lot. The 8-bit console was... I think that was generally the best one, just for the challenge. And the 16-bit version was the slicker version, but it was dumbed down a bit. Okay. But the Game Boy version was definitely the worst. The main home console versions were generally kind of in the middle of any list they were on. The Game Boy version was towards the very end. Okay. And that's well, the last I ever want to talk about Alien fucking free <laughs> game-wise, at the very hey, least. I'm just glad we got an actual Alien game this week. Because was it last episode where there was one that was a f- complete rip-off of the Alien yes. franchise? Yeah. Alien Breed, yes. Yes, yeah, there we so go. It was actually an actual Alien game <laughs> for once. And that game was Aliens 3, or Alien 3. Moving on from that, it was... Yet another feature came up. There's cramming a lot of stuff in this episode. Yeah. We had a top four video game soundtracks. No, top five, was it? Yeah, it was top five, yeah. Top five, yes. I don't know why I got four. (laughs) So yeah, this was a weird choice. I think they just had to fill the time. So, you know what? Let's just pick some music from games we liked. Yeah, and is this the first ever gaming list? Yeah, an actual gaming list. I think it might be the f- probably the first visual gaming list. Yeah, what culture eat your heart out? Yeah, it's like I think this is basically what started like what culture and all that stuff. Yeah, this is YouTube now. Yeah, this is basically all YouTube is. Like <laughs> I know that's how you keep the lights on all these channels and fair play to them. But fucking hell, I write like a list whenever I feel like it. If I had to do it all the time just to keep us going as a podcast i would probably just throw myself off a cliff oh my god yeah i couldn't i couldn't do that content no it's just it's too much so anyway this list <laughs> <laughs> so number five was the peter gunn theme from blues brothers on the nez oh and this 8-bit version slaps yeah i, I do love a good 8-bit soundtrack oh. it's, it's real tasty <laughs> next was uh, number four was smooth criminal uh, on, in michael jackson's moonraker for the mega drive Ah, I didn't like this. It sounded like a corrupted MP3 version of the actual song. Yeah, and I don't like that game either. It's absolute shite. <laughs> and the movie was shite as well. So it's just all shite. Number four. <laughs> Not as good as Blues Brothers. 
not having that. Number three was uh, Betty Boo's doing the do <laughs> in Magic Pockets for the Amiga. <laughs> that was an interesting choice for a game. I feel like they just said, yeah, we need a song. Let's just take this. Okay. Yeah. This also applies to the number two, which was Cold Cut's Global Chaos in the absolutely fucking hideous looking Top Banana for oh the Amiga. God, yeah. Like me and Becky talked about Top Banana like uh, in one of our episodes. It's just absolutely, dis- I think it was in the funk themed review. Absolutely disgusting looking game. Yeah, it's hideous. That brings us to number one. Bomb the Bass's Mega Blast from Xenon 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that, that is about the most <laughs> 90s sounding song they could put in a video game, to be honest. Yeah, the last three were pretty funky, but the Blues Brothers was clearly the best one. Easily the best one, yeah. I feel. This, this list, I just did not get on with this list. I think they were just going for what sounded the most like an actual song. Yes. It was just getting more and more advanced. Like, just shout, they're just putting too much priority on fidelity, I guess. But fuck it. It's done. We're, we're, we're done with the lists now. No more lists. <laughs> and that takes us to, finally, yes. our celebrity challenge of the yes. week. Which is the most, this is the most anticipated part of the show. I've been looking forward to doing this for weeks. <laughs> once I saw like, what this was. The game in question is WWF WrestleMania Challenge on the NES. This was in the days when the WWE was called World Wrestling Federation uh, before they got their asses handed to them by a panda. <laughs> so <laughs> Games Master says uh, they didn't have anything like that back in my day, but fucking, it's rather fun. Fucking liar. Fucking liar. Professional like, wrestling's been going since like the 1800s. Yeah, and like even the WWF, in, to some degree, it existed since the 1950s. Yeah. He, he was definitely, at least in his prime at that point. So <laughs> don't, don't give me that shit, mate. Can't believe he didn't know professional wrestling existed. What a loser with his big genitals yeah, on the back of his head. He just has a thing about combat sports, unless it's like boxing. He doesn't understand any of it, apparently. So the challenge is pretty simple. It's the first person to get a pinfall wins, which is how it works in wrestling as well, so that's <laughs> handy. And this is kind of fun to do an episode about wrestling on the day that WWE were potentially going to be sold to a murderous regime. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't seem like that's happening just yet, but by the time this episode comes out, maybe the sale's gone through. We don't know. I mean, the fucking company could be out of business by the time this episode comes out. So much has happened in the last couple of days, in the last nine months. This whole thing could be aged horribly by the time we release this episode. <laughs> and just, for, just to note, I'm never going to be visiting any embassies anytime soon. Just to be careful. <laughs> so yeah, pretty simple. WWF challenge, uh, pinfall wins. Dominic, he... <laughs> we cut to Dominic and he says, no one loves a good grapple like I do and I am positively <laughs> dribbling at the prospect of this bout. <laughs> I swear, my theory that he picks the games for this section is true, just so he has something to say like this. It makes sense, because he is a big wrestling fan. I found is myself he? in reading the book. He, oh, he was a big wrestling fan as a kid. Dominic. He watched all sorts of sports and stuff on Saturdays, but wrestling was always the thing he loved the most. Yes, Dominic. I like him even more. All right, well, we'll get to the challenge first, and then I'll get a bit more into detail about how Dominic felt about the challenge itself. Okay. So first out was the challenger. It's the Hartford Jahiro, David Kerr. And his opponent is Brit wrestling villain Kendo Nagasaki. Uh, 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 whose real name <laughs> is Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So yeah, as you probably guessed, Kendo Nagasaki wasn't Japanese. He's part of a not-so-proud tradition in wrestling where they use wrestlers to play ethnicities that they do not remotely belong to. Yeah. But- so you can see also Yokozuna, who was a Samoan playing a Japanese sumo, uh, Kofi Kingston, 
a Jamaican played by someone from Ghana, and Akeem the African Dream, who was a white guy from California, or Carolina even. And I don't feel like I need to spell out what's fucked up about that, <laughs> that no. gimmick. No, no. It's, it's, just, it's a thing that happens. Wrestling's not a proud institution, and we don't always like to brag about how much we like it. Sometimes it re- embarrasses us just by association. Yes, very often. As a rule, I never used to watch the world of sport, and I, I find that their style of wrestling like terminally dull. I didn't wasn't a big fan of British wrestling at this point in history. No, no, I'd never watched it at this point. Yeah, I, I was, like, at this point, I was deep into my WWF fandom. I, I was watching, like... I'd been watching like Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior and Macho Man Randy Savage, like larger than life characters. By 1992, I was big into like Bret Hart, like mm-hmm. the greatest wrestler of all time, as far as I'm concerned. So stuff like giant haystacks and big daddies who were just, you know, just large fellas just moving slowly and smacking each other with their palms. It just didn't appeal to me at all. No, no. But um, I actually went back and looked at some old Kendo Nagasaki matches. Oh, God. And it's actually quite interesting. He had quite an impactful offense. He was doing, like, high knees and did, like, a fireman's carry, you know, forward roll fireman's carry. Ooh. Like, as his finisher. Like, oh, wow, okay. Like, quite a dynamic bit of offense. He seemed like... He didn't seem like he belonged in World of Sport, to be honest. He, he had the kind of offense that, a, like, a baby face would have now. Just, like, the guy that gets all the attention and gets, like, gets all the big pops. But the bad guy was doing all the cool stuff. <laughs> Maybe that made sense in World of Sport, though. Yeah. It's like, oh, we don't want our workers to work. We want them to just move very slowly, uh, slowly and lumber around. Yeah, you look in the audience in the World of Sport old episodes, there's just lots of, like, middle-aged dads, like, in tweed jackets <laughs> with, like, pints. Like, they, they didn't want anything too fast. They don't have to pay attention that much. <laughs> Whereas all our wrestlers used to come out high on cocaine and go, rah, 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 rah. And then die. <laughs> Yeah, so those the, were the days, <laughs> the good days. Yeah, the good old days where all of our all of our heroes are dead, apart from Bret Hart. Although he's he's not the man he used to be, sadly. But that's no. Goldberg's fault. And Hulk Hogan is still alive, unfortunately. Hulk Hogan's still going. Yeah, he's never going to die, probably. <laughs> Speaking of racists. So yeah, Kendo Nagasaki. <laughs> what I learned in the oral history book is that um, Dominic Diamond used to be terrified of Kendo Nagasaki. I guess he was kind of like the Ken of his day. <laughs> Big, scary, silent dude in a mask. And racist. <laughs> and racist, just like the real Kane. Yep. Apparently, this was kind of cool to read. Dominic revealed that uh, Kendo Nagasaki remained in character even backstage. He stayed oh, silent wow. the entire time. Like, Amazing. He kept, never took his mask off. That's living the gimmick. That's brilliant. I love that. Respect so, to yeah. Peter Thornley. <laughs> so yeah, anyone who doesn't like wrestling, not like a big fucking dorks like us, the art of like keeping the illusion up is called kayfabe. And a lot of wrestlers back in the day used to do it. It kind of died out in the mid-2000s. But, like, wrestlers would stay in character in public. Like, heels and baby faces wouldn't socialise outside of work. And if, if somebody tried anything with them, they'd have to be an arsehole to them in public. It's kind of like how method actors would be these days. Yeah, yeah. And then there was people it's like just... Dusty Rhodes who used to uh, tell their kids that it was all real as well. And where they're, like... If they had a gimmick where they like broke their leg whilst they were wrestling, they'd wear the cast at home as well. And Dusty Rose just like bled a lot, so his poor kids probably thought their dad was dying <laughs> all the time. So anyway, uh, Kendo Nagasaki comes out alongside David, and he's just towering over the lad. Dominic asks David if he fancies his chances against the man who pasted Big Daddy in the ring before. David is confident, but he'll see how it goes. Mm. And then uh, Dominic turns to Kendo and says, Kendo, or can I call you Ken? <laughs> just silence from kendo nagasaki and apparently according to dominic that is his favorite line 
in series one, his favourite moment of all of them. Oh, really? That's good. I enjoy that. Because he's a big, obviously being a big wrestling fanboy, getting to try and get a rise out of one of their yeah. icons. That's pretty yeah. cool. So it sounds like something like Mean Gene would have said back in the day. Yeah. Um, at this point, uh, Lloyd Ryan, uh, Kendo Nagasaki's manager, steps in to talk for him. And he, he says he could beat up David quite easily. So Dominic turns to the audience and they all, like, asks how they feel. And they all boo like, they're getting really into it. It's like, it's like just being at a wrestling show kind of thing. Yeah. So, like, Dominic's having the time of his life just, like, playing up, like, the, being, like, the ring announcer kind of thing. <laughs> he heads to the commentary pulpit, and that's where uh, Julian Jazz Rignall is. Jazz suggests kicks and punches to wear out the opponent. So, we're not going to get a technical masterclass here, basically. <laughs> but that makes sense, because David chose Hulk Hogan to play. Yeah. <laughs> a man who took very few bumps, and he worked a very safe style in order to maintain his position at the top of the card to keep everyone else down, basically. But he did throw a dropkick, which is very unlike Hulk Hogan. Yes. He would rarely leave his feet. If it was Hulk Hogan in Japan, like he'd maybe wrestle two matches in Japan, he'd actually put in an effort, but in America, <laughs> not a chance. He wasn't doing anything for anyone, brother, brother. Absolutely not. Can I, just a side note on Kendo Nakazaki here, like when he comes out, I actually thought his his um, entrance gear was quite impressive. Like it looked quite good. But then when he sat down to play the actual game, he's in his in-ring gear, which basically means he's taken off like uh, one of the masks and, and like stuff, a jacket, yeah. his cape or whatever it is. And his ring gear is really lame. Yeah. <laughs> he looks oh, like, yeah, definitely. He looks like, like someone, even Butlin's wrestling wouldn't book, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've, se- I've seen some Butlin's wrestling's of absolutely abominable. Oh, so, yeah. Me, you, oh, I've exactly got a right. story. Oh, my God. I hate Butlin's wrestling. I went when I was about eight or nine years old or something and obviously it's all yeah i was big into wwf at the time when uh sort of bret hart was world champion and that sort of thing and i was where with i was there with my friend and one wrestler came to the ring he had entrance music fine and then sean michaels theme hit like the, the really really famous theme that he had and me and my friend looked at each other and we were like oh my god sean michaels has come to <laughs> butlins <laughs> and then some fucking idiot walked out in like camo and had like really skinny arms and i've never been so disappointed in my entire life that is atrocious if you weren't all children you probably would have stormed the stage <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely oh. the british wrestling scene was naff for a long time <laughs> <It was. laughs> and then really problematic for a while so it's not been great yeah it's just there's no winning, really. No. Sadly. So, yeah, that's just basically get to the challenge. Like, we've talked quite a lot about wrestling so far. I had a bunch of stuff about Hulk Hogan, but, like, there's only so many times you can say he was a dickhead. <laughs> he was a big deal as a kid. Terry Bollea, the man, is a piece of shit, but yes. Hulk Hogan at the time was just, he was a big deal. Yeah, my first favourite wrestler. In hindsight, I know Macho Man Randy Savage was the actual good wrestler of the, the big ones, but Hulk Hogan was the one everybody wanted to be like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who Kendo Nagasaki was playing. He just seemed like a generic character. Didn't seem to help any. So the, <laughs> the game begins and Kendo just completely whiffs a drop kick. David follows that up with a pretty beautiful gorilla press slam. He misses a drop kick as well, but then hits a <laughs> suplex, then an elbow drop. Then he scaled the rim post for no reason. Did a flying nothing off that. Kendo fucked off to the other side of the ring. That's something like Samoa Joe likes to do in wrestling matches. If someone's going to yes. do a high move, he just walks off. So... I don't but, think that was Kendo's intent. I think he just no, doesn't know what he was doing with the game. It's cool when Joe does it. <laughs> yeah. 
Kendo Nagasaki was just wandering around aimlessly. He did not know <laughs> what he was doing in this game. Yeah, this fight was very much like Bart and Lisa swinging their arms towards one another. Yeah, D- David was like, just, he was trying to hit him, but like it's, Kendo was just moving around so much. Yeah. He, he eventually got hold of him, power slammed him into the canvas. Jazz called that a Hulk splashdown. That's not a thing, Jazz. No, no. That's not a move. Don't just make shit up. Just say you don't know what the move is. It's fine. <laughs> Dominic, very clearly excited by this challenge. He's getting really into it. It's like he must think he's like Gorilla Monsoon or something at the, <laughs> at the moment. He's, he's really enjoying himself. There's another power slam, uh, elbow drop combo. Kendo hasn't landed one hit so far. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of missed drop kicks at this point. Then there's a successful power slam. Another flying nothing. Kendo manages to finally land a punch. David jumps off the top rope to the outside somehow. <laughs> he finally gets back in the top rope, does a flying knee, manages to hit Kendo this time and knock him down. Completely fumbles the pin attempt though, and Kendo tries to do another runner, but uh, no one escapes Hulkamania, brother. <laughs> so David finally lays him out with a suplex and elbow drop and then gets the pin. One, two, three. Woo! It's the most energetic Hulk Hogan match you will see outside of Japan. <laughs> Kendo is quietly furious after the challenge. David is awarded a golden joystick Yay. and a WWF championship belt. Yeah, why did he get an extra one? I want that belt. That was awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But also, why did he get that when it's obviously going to be a chance that he was going to win? Because Kendo Nagasaki, one, is a man that's obviously never played a video game in his life. <laughs> and two, had a mask on his face. So he probably couldn't see anything, to be honest. <laughs> I don't remember this challenge happening, but I, remember, I feel like if I was a kid and saw this, I would be fucking incandescent with jealousy. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was now, to be honest. Yeah, this little bastard got two things I wanted as a kid. <laughs> Kendo was shite at the game. But we don't get many wins on this show for Golden Joysticks. So I'm just going to enjoy somebody finally winning a challenge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The game looked terrible as well. Like, I'd never played that one, but it did look awful. It's, yeah, it's not one of the better ones. <laughs> it's. I think I played it a, a bit as a kid, and the novelty was there getting a wrestle, but it got dated very quickly. There was other NES games that came out that were a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lloyd Short steps in and says he thinks this whole thing's been a stitch up and he's, they storm off. And the kids boo as they're leaving. <laughs> Very good heel work. Yeah, good heel work. Wasn't the most charismatic of managers, but he did seem like a shady dude who'd manage a British wrestler. So <laughs> it made sense to me. So, yeah, that was a great. I, I loved that. Even though one half of the equation was kind of shit at the game, I really enjoyed that entire section. Just basking in the shittiness of the British wrestling the gimmick, the game, just how cringy a lot of the stuff is. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just everything that's good about 90s culture and bad at the same time. And it, it felt specifically designed for us as well. Like, yes. us two specifically. Like, it's got 90s wrestling, uh, video games, and, yeah, just like you said, all the good and bad that comes with wrestling as well. And it, I, I've been really looking forward to watching this episode knowing it was coming up. So, yeah, I, I want more. I want them to do more wrestling games so we can talk about wrestling some more. I think there might be more wrestling things in the future. I know I've seen the British Bulldog on an episode before. I know that's been a thing. Yeah, an actual famous person. Yeah, and it's not too far because this is what uh, ninety two, isn't it? So it's not too far from his big win at Wembley. Yeah, it's like the same year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was there. Yeah. Now it's time for the consultation room. This is another segue without a dirty joke. It's interesting. Yeah, tame episode this week. Very tame. The, The dirty jokes that did appear were pretty shocking but they were very rare so the first person in the consultation room was a tall boy in a vest jacket and he (laughs) needed help with zelda he couldn't find the whistle on the second quest second week in a row we've had zelda zelda (laughs) second week on the row we've had zelda and it's the second week where the game master has suggested this game need a modicum of initiative 
or oh common sense. Yeah, he was being nice initially. I still feel like it's unreasonable of him to say this because, again, the solution is not obvious. <laughs> no, not at all. Like, it's a mean thing to say, but when you see what the solution is, you're like, oh, come on, come on, for fuck's sake. Yeah, you have to walk into a wall until you pass through it. <laughs> there's no indication, there's no reason why you'd assume that wall would, would turn invisible. Yeah, it's not initiative. Like, like, you don't walk into walls and go, oh, maybe, you know, I'll use my initiative, I'll just bash my brains against these bricks for a bit and see what happens. Yeah, like, I mean, in fairness, when I'm playing Skyrim and I'm trying to get up a cliff, I will try jumping at a rock enough time <laughs> to see if I can get on top of it. But yes. that's not initiative, that's just desperation. <laughs> Nintendo were real shitheads with this game, I've noticed. I've never played this one. This is the one Zelda game I haven't played and probably never going to play it now. Now I know what a shithead it is. Next out was a young lass in a rather massive shirt and she needed help. <laughs> it, looked, it just looked weirdly... T- it looked like she'd borrowed her dad's shirt or something. Yeah, it went down to like her ankles. Yeah, so she needed help with the Snow Hill section in Strider. This is another showing for Strider in the consultation room. Yeah. It's been a few weeks since one, but yeah. Games Master suggests just jumping down the hill repeatedly and you'll get out unscathed. Which I thought was funny because while this clip was playing, a series of explosions started going off on screen right behind the player. And I was <laughs> sure they were going to get hurt, but apparently not. Like, the NG bow is just hard to spot, but <laughs> it, it was just a funny visual. You get away unscathed. Yeah, and I love that this was a problem that you had to go on a TV show for back in the day. Because nowadays, if I get stuck for five minutes and I'm straight away onto Google for this shit, you know. But, yeah. like... Uh, again yeah unless you were trialing and erroring a lot of stuff like i don't think you could have figured that out by like i know as a kid i wouldn't have been able to figure that one out i wouldn't risk jumping off a, a hill yeah no no so apparently not you just jump all the way down finally another last comes out she needs help with Mega Man. she needs help beating the sandman games master says you need to jump over the body parts as they shift across the screen and when he's fully formed blast him in the eye now, I do feel that that one should have been something the kid should have tried at some point. There's only so much going on on the screen at the time. Yeah. And there's only one. The eyeball is very noticeably different to the rest of the bad guy's body. Yes. Yeah. I, like, I, if, I'm, if we're going to give kids shit for not getting obvious things, I feel like this is one of the times we will give this kid shit. I think so, yeah. I, I, all I remember really from this one, though, is how Games Master signed off from this advice. When he said to the kid, does this satisfy your destructive lust? And she like, smiled and said, yes, it does. Thanks very much. <laughs> but it, to me, it felt like that was off script for Patrick Moore. Like, I, it seemed like he was had that boomer mentality of like, oh, video games cause violence, you know. So, well, well you're gone then, you young person. You go off and murder someone else now, I guess. And she said, yeah, I will do. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Good honour. I respect the honesty. Absolutely. That brings us to the final challenge, Thunder Force 3. The player has to complete the underwater world of Siren, and to make things harder, it's being done on Mania mode. Yeah. Games used to always have a hard mode, which was harder than hard, and I never played them. (laughs) And I never will. (laughs) I'm going the other way at the moment. Yeah, I'm going easy mode all the time. (laughs) Oh, this looked difficult from the beginning. It looked like a tough game anyway. But then yes. putting it on a hard... Like, as they say, it was one of the, the later or one of the harder levels as well that they've put on hard difficulty, and it's a difficult game. And I was like, nah, <laughs> this one's not going to be a winner, is it? It's like, it's a side-scrolling, side-scrolling horizontal shooter, like R-Type. Those games are hard anyway because they yes. tend to descend into bullet hell yep. situations. And then you add a hard mode to that. <laughs> no, thank you. Nope. I do not enjoy that. Nope, I'm out. So, but apparently it was a good game. I, I know it's, the Mega Drive version got an 81.8% on uh, Moby Games based on reviews released at the time. Okay, it looked like, pretty cool. It would have got an 86.8%, but um, it got a scathing review in Germany's Playtime magazine. Oh. 
I've noticed that magazine gives a lot of really bad reviews to games. Oh, they're, no. really, they're really hard to impress. They've dragged down a lot of averages in lists that I've written. <laughs> Playtime just do not play. So we get to Dominic, and he says, the person about to thrust his way through all manner of underwater op- <laughs> opposition. And I'll give him that, because, you know, he's behaved most of the episode, and he was nice to the kids in the first challenge. So, yeah, yeah, that's know, fair. He's, he's, he's earned that. And Frost is pretty tame still. Sure. And, you know, you're in a, a fighter plane or a jet engine or something, so yeah. thrust. Yeah. They do have thrusters. It, it yeah. makes sense. We'll, we'll let him have it. And it wasn't, he wasn't overdoing it like he did with the golf game last time. Oh, my God, yeah. So the, the contender is Jeremy Gomez. Uh, he's not confident at all, but he said he'll do his best. <laughs> I wouldn't be confident at all, Jeremy. I would no. not be confident either. He had the confidence of, like, a small kid knowing he had to fight a school bully at the end of the day. Yes. <laughs> so there's no backing out of this. He's, he's going to be waiting for you. So, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll try. <laughs> I feel his pain. Can you teach me how to punch? I'm a librarian. Get out of here. <laughs> So, for some reason, Dominic says, well, you've got a lovely T-shirt. And that, that seemed to it seemed to put Jeremy at ease a little bit. He laughed and then went off to the thing. So, you know, I think Dominic's been do- doing really good in this episode at, like, helping the kids along because there's yeah, been a lot of nice. nervous energy this episode. But did you could you tell what T-shirt he had? I was trying to figure it out, but I couldn't no, quite I, get a good I, angle. I couldn't go look at it. Maybe it was something they weren't allowed to show because some certain advertisements aren't allowed to be. Yeah, they probably have to maybe. blur it out or something. That makes sense. I wasn't sure if he had like an official Games Master t-shirt, but I guess they would have shown that. Yeah, they would have shown that yeah. off for sure. They probably would have made him hold up in front of the camera and stuff. <laughs> yeah, like Dominic's been good this episode. Like He's not been overdoing it with the jokes and he's been good with the kids, which should be one of the main duties of a host. Yes. He definitely made sure Jeremy was a lot more comfortable going into the challenge. Yeah, it was he nice He hasn't always see. done that. Yeah, it was nice. Neil West from uh, Sega Power joins Dominic in the commentary pulpit. And <laughs> Dominic... Uh, for what Dominic called a furious thrash. Yep. I'm less inclined to give him this one because it makes less sense, but I guess <laughs> the ship thrashes around the screen, but not really. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to give you the benefit of the doubt you, Dominic. You've been doing really well, <laughs> so I don't want to give you too much shit. I will give him this one. Shut up, Dominic. You know what I mean? Um, in the sense that it wasn't... He's tranquil. been really supportive. He's been really good in this episode so far, and he normally makes a joke like this when he sits down with his guest commentator. So... I, I will let him have all of those, I think, because he's been so good and so wholesome and lovely, mostly this episode. I think this is okay. And in fairness, he, he definitely always makes a joke with Neil West. Yes. So uh, Neil said it's a very hard game, even on regular mode, but Mania mode is even worse, as we could probably guess. Mm-hmm. We've already worked this out by this point, but yeah, it's fair enough. He suggests uh, Jeremy use all of the weapons that he gets because uh, they're all useful for different things. That, that is actually good advice because I'd probably just be spamming the same attack and hoping for the best. Like I did that a lot when we were playing uh, Nier Automata. <laughs> in the, the, the flying sections, I'd just be like, keep forgetting that there's other weapons I could be using right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dominic takes his cue from Neil there and tells Jeremy to use his weapon wisely. <laughs> I think he was banking all of his jags for this last challenge. I think, I think he knew so. this was going to be a good one. <laughs> But I'm, I'm mostly going to blame Neil West for this because he really did. He has a habit of doing this with Dominic as well, trying to like provoke him, like the, you know, grabbing the player's stick in the Royal Rash Challenge and stuff like that. He doesn't need much. much he doesn't of that, need a lot of encouraging either. No. So just, <laughs> just knock it off, Neil. Come on. The game gets started, and as I thought, it just looks like my idea of hell. Just an absolute bullet shit storm flying yeah. everywhere. Just poor Jeremy. He was doing his best to avoid all of this shit. He gets a second weapon, but takes too long switching to it. And uh, before you know it, he's taken a hit and like lost. F- he's lost his first life. He gets some lives, doesn't he? 
it's not so ruthless this one that they're just saying when you die you're done yeah he keeps progressing and dominic remarks that jeremy is coming up on a very tight passage <laughs> yeah i've got that written down as well dominic come on <laughs> at this point jeremy misses an extra life he's dodging a lot of stuff but then he takes a hit and dies again and now he's on his last life he seems to be hitting the wrong areas on these big enemies he's shooting at the the head when that's like the hardest part of the body apparently and unfortunately because he, he's not he doesn't know how to attack these enemies he takes another hit and he dies and it's challenge over and that, that was a shame and in the after game interview he says the current was pushing him down a lot which i didn't notice in the game and the commentary didn't really make a big deal about but the the current because it's underwater it was pushing him down so he had to fight the current while also avoiding all of this all these attacks so yeah. that seems really tough that's so hard that's such an extra layer of like because obviously when you're trying to avoid all the bullets and stuff like that you're, you're trying to maneuver up and down but if you're fighting another force that's affecting you in that way like it's just another layer to this already really difficult challenge i thought he did well he did really good considering he wasn't confident at all and no. it was insanely hard. i would have died far quicker than he did especially <laughs> i wouldn't have thing. tried <laughs> i said you fucking joking i'm leaving <laughs> walk out i don't need a joystick that badly so good on you jeremy I, you did better than I could. And there's one interesting thing I noticed when watching the YouTube video. I noticed Jeremy actually made a comment on, underneath the YouTube video. No way! That's so cool! He said he remembers this and he said uh, he hasn't changed a bit. <laughs> Still got the same t-shirt. And somebody uh, somebody replied to him and said that uh, Dominic Diamond's on Twitch a lot and like, he's really good and friendly with people and like, he likes to reminisce about Games Master and recommended Jeremy maybe show up in the chat sometime and see if he remembers him. Oh, that's so I hope lovely. he did. I hope Dominic did remember him because yeah. Dominic seems like a bit of a sound dude. Oh, I'm going to follow. I haven't followed Dominic Diamond on Twitch yet. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to watch him at least once on Twitch because I want to see how he's doing these days. Yeah. Twitch seems like a perfect place for Dominic Diamond as well. I think so. I think he could. He's got the freedom to make all the knob jokes he wants. Yeah. I mean, he helped basically create the culture that would lead to Twitch. So with Games Master, mm. so he. And again, yeah, because he can make as many jokes as he likes and he won't get taken off the air. <laughs> so, yeah, follow Dominic Diamond on Twitch, but don't necessarily tell him about us, just in case he <laughs> listens to an episode and we're more extra critical in that episode. We want yeah. him to like us. Maybe send him this one, because this has been a nice one. Yeah, send him, tell him about this one and how complimentary <laughs> we were. Like, just really suck up on our behalf, because we won't do it for ourselves. We want to be his friend, okay? Yeah, we want to invite him on the podcast eventually. <gasps> oh my god, can you imagine? If we can get if we can get this going enough, by maybe by the end of the series, the full the whole thing, we could get him on the show. Oh my god! I'm going to manifest this for yes. getting Dominic Diamond yes, on Games I'm... Master before this show is done. Yes, I'm going to put all my hope and dreams into this, and if we don't get him, then I will cry. Then all hope is dead, and dreams mean nothing. <laughs> So please come on, Dominic. <laughs> please, Dominic. That's the main portion of Games Master over. I will briefly bring up T-Watch on Becky's <laughs> behalf because she's not here. She's coming back for the next episode and she can do all this shit. Uh, Dominic is drinking Jasmine this week. Ooh, steaming uh, Jasmine. Yeah, steaming, yeah. <laughs> so, sounds nice. I don't know anything about tea. I'm a coffee guy. I don't give a shit about... I did look up Jasmine tea just to be safe. It is a tea scented with the aroma of Jasmine blossoms. Typically, jasmine tea has a green tea as a base. However, white tea and black tea are also used. Excellent. The resulting flavour of jasmine tea is subtly sweet and highly fragrant. That sounds gross. <laughs> <laughs> the 
you get your smoking jacket as well? Like, is it fancier than it's ever been? It looked really nice. I, I don't know if it's just me noticing more stuff, but like the, the production values and the budget on this episode seems to have been improved. Like they seem to improve a lot of different things, except the butt plugs. They look the same. Yeah, the butt plugs. The butt plugs improved first. I think that's where all the budget oh, went yeah. initially. Yeah, they got the priorities <laughs> right. Patrick Moore's butt plugs, number one. That's like, we need to get this side and then we can fix everything else. The smoking jacket comes last. It was a nice smoking jacket. Not that I know a lot about smoking jackets, but I assume it's a nice one. <laughs> so that's Games Master Series 1, Episode 7 all done. And uh, yep, a great episode this week. Like it's, it's been, There's been a couple of dead dud ones, but really enjoyed everything about this episode. Yeah, exactly. It might be my favourite episode that we've ever done. Um, like Obviously, having the whole wrestling challenge kind of helped because we're both big wrestling fans and it was fun to talk about that. But it was it had the right amount of innuendo without being too much or too far. There were some really lovely moments. The the gameplay challenges were difficult and interesting. And yeah, I want I want it to be more like this. I feel like they've they've got into their groove and they've they've found a good good way to pace the episode as well. So I hope it continues. Yeah, this the pacing and like the, the balance, this is what I remember Games Master as. Yes, same. The stuff before this, like the really uneven episodes where there's just overwhelming amounts of smut that's not what i remember that, that's why i was really surprised when we started covering this mm-hmm. how many dirty jokes were on the show because i remember there being dominic having a really good sense of humor and being like cheeky and a bit sarcastic and stuff but i never remembered this much you know innuendo it was a bit carry on and not not what i was remembering games master as this episode felt a lot more like what games master was to me just a little less sarcastic <laughs> yeah, 100% agree on that. So, yep, yeah, that's all's all done for another week. Chip is going to take a break for a while. He, hopefully he'll be back for the finale for Series 1. I'm pressuring him into that now. <laughs> I think you could convince me. You'll be off for two episodes, so I feel like that's that's a good long break. Even though this episode is really good and you're not, like, worn down by all the knob jokes the past the past time you had to take a break you were just burnt out on the knob jokes <laughs> yeah a little bit my brain this was kind of mush for a while yeah this time it was a lot better yeah yeah general. and i'll be watching the episodes that i'm not on as well thank you for listening to the show um please recommend us to your friends and rate and review us on uh, spotify and apple please give us glowing reviews and full stars and, and tell dominic and, diamond about us yeah tell dominic diamond about us on yeah. twitch <laughs> you can follow us on twitter and instagram on one up pod that's one upp odd mm-hmm. you can follow me on twitter at truly underscore defective uh, where can they follow you chip uh, at the chip thompson on twitter or chip thompson's thumbs on twitch as well yes and follow chip on twitch and tell him about us as well <laughs> maybe uh if we all hang out in the twitch chat one day we'll go and raid dominic if he's on yes that's a good idea yeah so that's us all done i'll see you next time and in the meantime don't forget to get a life Train, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, <laughs> and play video games, brother. I am a real-